Welcome back to the On Brand Features Podcast. We're interviewing and highlighting our local community members here in the east side of Cincinnati. Today, I'm here with Andrew with the Chamber. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Andrew McAfee. I am the Vice President of the Claremont Chamber of Commerce. I have been at the Chamber now for about two years. My focus is on government affairs. I manage our foundation's work readiness initiative and just some of the strategic planning that the chamber is involved in in regards to economic development projects. And you probably write the best newsletter in Claremont County. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Is, is that a members only thing or like can other people that, subscribe to it? It is a members only benefit. Yep. That is a members only benefit. And yeah, the idea was simply just when I got hired on in that in kind of a government affairs role, how can I bring information kind of dialed back to just a, a nonpartisan level to our members? How can I keep them informed as to what their government is up to? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I break down my newsletter into three sections, federal, state and local. And I kind of just put it out there and I my um, I kind of give you the content and then you can as the reader kind of decide what's relevant to your business. And mm -hmm. hopefully it's beneficial. Nice. I love that. And it's very interesting to see the role that you put the chamber in inside of Claremont County, because we know chambers can kind of fit in a variety of different molds. You have the one that's very focused on volunteering or very much events. We also have the ones that's focused on platforming and lobbying. So where do you see the role of the Claremont Chamber kind of in the greater scope of Cincinnati? Yeah, so we're really, we were, we've been around for about 50 years now, founded by um, volunteers, actually, that started um, Holman Motors, Jeff Weiler, UC Claremont, Mercy Hospital. Um, some of the biggest key players in our county actually came together and said, we need to get together and we need to be a voice for the business community. So I think 50 years later, I view that as kind of my main role at the chamber is how can I ensure that the chamber always has a seat at the table? Mm. And that can be policy wise, that can be just community wide. How can we kind of foster that collaborative spirit? Because our county is so uh, different. We're so suburban, rural, kind of mixed together. Um, how can we provide kind of that best um, community approach to bringing people together? I love that. And what's been some of your keys to that success for the collaboration? Um, I think it's just kind of always having an open door policy. You know, we uh, we spend just as much time in some of our rural townships talking to our members there as we do in our more suburban townships. So really, it's just about listening to our members and what they need. Um, we I mean, obviously, in this county, we have you know, a hospital, we have a community college, we have a ton of manufacturers, we have retail. Um, so it's how can we foster their voices the best and then represent them the best that we can. Yeah. And just to dig one more on that too, you're going to have some conflicting opinions there, right? Because you're going to have the, the more of the agriculture space saying that we want better access to localized transportation versus you have manufacturing saying, let's connect to the supply chain. And then you have schools saying like, we're just looking for more students and more teachers. So how do you mitigate those conflicting opinions? I think the the approach that I've taken since I've been there is to listen to all of them because honestly, what uh, what we have found is like a lot of our members they just want to be heard, they just want their voices to be heard, and that's what I tell a lot of the elected officials that I work with is sometimes it's more about just having the meeting, listening to the concerns. They may not be expecting you to walk out of there with a solution for them. It's more about just getting their government to listen to them, sure. and that's what we try to provide the most to our members is how can we how can we bridge that gap between our members and their government? 
That's a really good point. And I think it's interesting. We originally moved into this area back in 2002 in Claremont. And seeing the development and the change that's happened, and I know so much of that's been spearheaded by the chamber in Claremont. I mean, with the overpass, with whatever that's called, was a speed bridge? What's the formal name for that? The... Um... 3275 or yeah that, that like yeah the quick ramp thing right. to jump on 32 right i mean even that and flyby flyby thank you yeah. there we go the flyby with the flyby and jungle gems coming in and really developing that entire lot and now what you're seeing further down 32 with the new manufacturing spaces so much of that's been spearheaded by the chamber so what right now is top of mind for you in that regard what's the biggest development happening? we really are on the cusp in claremont county of just an explosion of development i mean with this 32 project which has been a decade in the making yeah. the idea that you should be able to go from 275 to bower road without having to stop at a stoplight and we're almost there glenessee withamsville i mean even though eastgate traffic right now is a nightmare it's great what are you talking about it's fantastic it's great for my advertising right? my signs right there <laughs> right so that's fine. right yeah. but we are really on the cusp of an explosion because we knew that when Nestle Purina, when Hudamaki, when those big manufacturers moved out to Williamsburg and Batavia, that was one key thing they were looking at was sure. this eastern corridor and that expansion idea of being able to get from 275 to um, to Bower Road. And I think that's going to be huge. Right now, I think top of mind, um, especially right here in in Eastgate, is the mall. Yeah. There's been a lot of a lot of stories recently about the prospects of what would development look like if we decide to redevelop them all. Um, the townships hired a a good group to come in and kind of study it and talk to all the key stakeholders. I think that being kind of the gateway to this county from 275, one of the gateways to um, to our county from 275, that is a prime area right there. Okay. So what we see happen there, I think, is going to be huge. So do we have outside of just like looking at, because I know that there was like a Kroger bid once upon a time. There's a couple other things that were happening with that. Do we have any updates on what could potentially be moving to that space? Or are we still in kind of that prospecting phase? So I, th I would say we're still in that prospecting phase. Okay. Kroger did purchase the Sears oh, property. Okay, cool. Yes. Nice. And um, they did go in front of the board of trustees and get their... Um, zoning map amended and, and and whatnot so i'm not quite sure where kroger's at on that process because i've been told that sometimes it takes kroger a while before they actually like break ground <laughs> yeah uh, but that is actually already kind that's of, been done that's oh, already nice. kind of okay. been done yeah cool yeah. cool cool so that's the development side then political i mean we have all, all kinds of stuff happening right now from like a national to state to local level so what's happening yeah. on that state and local level that yeah is so politics is fun politics <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> you think so i have a different opinion but i'm glad you think so. never a dull moment <laughs> Um, but this November, we'll actually have local elections here. Mm -hmm. So um, every township will have uh, one trustee and one and their fiscal officer will be up for um, re-election or election. And then all of our villages and our city councils will have members up and then our boards of education. So this November typically is what we would consider to be kind of a uh, local off-cycle election because turnout's typically a little bit lower um, because really the only driver for turnout are those more local um, races. I will say this year might be a little bit different because statewide um, this November we will be voting on um, an abortion mm -hmm. amendment to the Constitution, uh, which is obviously hotly um, partisan, I would say. So that's going to drive a lot of turnout. And it looks like we may be actually voting on recreational marijuana as right. well. Right. So those two kind of hotbed issues 
um, could drive a lot of turnout. So that'll kind of make it interesting to see kind of how these local elections kind of turn out. Because I know, and I, I'm not, I'm not great at the politics side of it. Because you have like the single issue ballot versus the multi issue ballot. So what you're saying is because there's going to be such a multi issue ballot that everyone's going to be empowered to, they're also going to be having to look at their local elections because they'll be correct. on the same ballot. Correct. correct. So correct. looking at that, you're kind of hoping that the people that are coming out are going to be educated on a local level. Right. In your experience, are they usually? <laughs> not usually. And that's what I think is going to make this November very interesting, because yeah. not usually. Um, usually the TV commercials and whatnot, the mail that they're going to be getting in their mailbox, the digital ads are going to be seeing on Facebook are going to be driven by those statewide issues, because we already know that prob probably tens of millions of dollars will flow into Ohio in support and in opposition of the abortion amendment, but also... We'll kind of see what happens with recreational marijuana. This recreational marijuana initiative is actually very different than the one Ohio defeated six or eight years ago, mm. um, because this one kind of all of that, the, the monopoly, the companies that would be in control, all of that has been kind of stripped away from this. Sure. Um, and this is simply just a, a kind of a very bland recreational marijuana initiative so as we'll bland kind of as it see, can be right <laughs> as bland as it can be yeah so uh, obviously that uh, an issue like that is appealing to a certain demographic of voters mm -hmm. so whether that specific demographic of voters will educate themselves kind of down ballot will be kind of interesting to see but we're not holding our breath right so is there anything we can do on a local level to help educate you think the, pe the people around those different topics instead of just saying hey focus on abortion focus on the the legalization of marijuana focus on who your local trustee is. Is there anything we can do from a communication perspective, you think? So us at the chamber, I mean, we're planning on taking a very active role in kind of getting that in that education side out, not just to our members, but to the community as a whole, because we've recognized as a community, a lot of times the only information that voters are given are information from the two political parties. Yeah. So how can we how can we kind of bridge that gap by providing just kind of that nonpartisan, unbiased education um, material. So in, in the two elections since I've been at the chamber, we've done a voter guide. Oh, cool. that, uh, last year, we actually did a questionnaire to candidates actually asking them oh, nice. kind of 10 questions. We get provided links to their websites, just kind of, kind of some of that um, unfiltered information so voters can make educated decisions. Fully planning on doing that this year. I've seen the candidate list for this November. We don't have too many actual contested races, um, but the contested races we have, the chamber is going to uh, provide some educational um, opportunities for voters. Specifically here in Union Township, it being our largest township, they do actually have a competitive trustee race. So we oh, are really? actually going to do a candidate forum for the community. Um and try to bring people together to educate them on what these two candidates stand for. To have those conversations. So now when the original forefathers of the chamber 50 years ago, were they thinking about those sides of it, do you think? I mean, I know the bylaws, I'm sure, have changed multiple times since when you guys instituted. But taking that active political approach and then remaining unbiased, is that, you th is that the purpose of the chamber, you think? I think the chamber has a role in it. I think it kind of... It, it kind of, I mean, our mission at the chamber is to make Claremont County the preferred place to grow and operate a successful business. I love that. Obviously, politics and government are a part of that. So the, the challenge today in this hyper-partisan climate that we live in is how do you stay unbiased? Mm -hmm. And I think that is our biggest struggle. I think we have a role. It's just finding that balance where we're not favoring one side or the other. And that's made equally 
challenging for us because we also live in a county that is heavily Republican. Mm -hmm. So how can we how can we provide unbiased education material to the masses in our community without actually picking a side. Oh, that's very interesting because even if the your your external environment, if they're heavily Republican, anything you share that's more on the left leaning side, they're going to smack you. Correct. Right? Yes. So you, I'm sure. Do you get that a lot with your newsletter? I mean, All the time. Really? All the time. Yeah. At least several times a month, I'll get an email. And I was once told by a reporter uh, that that's how you know you're doing a good job <laughs> is when you're getting complaints and being attacked from both sides of the aisle. Right. And uh, so I actually wear that like a badge of honor. So. Um, <laughs> Um, the Republicans that get mad when I cite MSNBC, CNN, the Washington Post, and then the, the Democrats that get mad when I recite National Review, Fox News. Um, so it's really interesting. I try to walk that line of 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 not appearing biased one way or the other. Right. So. Right. No, that that's a really good a really good point. Now, looking back on your personal experience too, you did you grow up in Claremont? I did. Nice. Yes, I grew up. Um, so I was actually adopted from Honduras. Um, I came here when I was one. My parents are um, originally not from here, moved here because of my dad worked at Delta Airlines at, oh, nice. at the airport. And um, so grew up here, went to Clough Pike Elementary. Oh, cool. And then um, Glenesty, when it still existed. Was still Glenesty was still a from thing, Glenesty. Right? Yep. Now it's a lot, I believe, right? It's a grass uh, It is. Yep. Yes. Some development going on there, which yep. is good, positive for the township. But um, yeah, and then went to UC Claremont for two years and then went to um, UC Main Campus for the, my final two years. And so, yeah, grew up in the Eastgate area. This is home. This is, I'm so passionate about Claremont County because it is home. And um, really, I mean, like you said, the development and just kind of the excitement that's going on right now is is something I've, I haven't seen before. My parents recently retired to South Carolina and they were up here about a month ago when I just drove them through 32 and it's drove insane. them by TQL and their their ex third expansion. It's crazy. The thousand jobs are bringing here and it's just, it's crazy. It's yeah. amazing. And it's great things. And with those jobs, and I think you're seeing it kind of down 32. Great, great background yourself. Now we're going to go back to what we were talking about before. So with those jobs that you're seeing, you're seeing it in Hudamaki at a ton of jobs. Purina is about to add a ton of jobs. TQL is adding a ton of jobs. All of these major employers with that, you kind of have to balance that residential development side. So with that, are you seeing shifting demographics in Claremont? Do you think that there's anything that's changing? And then how are we kind of keeping up with that residential growth? I think... Yes. To answer your question, yes. Uh, specifically, you see it uh, in specifically in Union and Miami Township. In Union Township, they made a big investment mm -hmm. and dedicated a lot of resources to attracting high-end apartment complexes. And I think in Union Township, there are three or four right now. There's actually one that's almost ready to open right next to the chamber offices mm -hmm. um, off of Ferguson Drive. Real nice, Union. Too. Yeah. yeah. That is a high-end apartment complex. They're already sold out. Wow. And of all of their you units, really? there, are only, there are less than five families. It, the, the rest of the units, almost all of the units are young professionals. Really? And that is because the township kind of knew that in order to attract some of those young professionals that are working at TQL, um, we, they had to have housing here. So Union Township wow. made that. And I think you're seeing Miami Township starting to realize that they also need to start making those kind of investments in some of those higher end rental properties. So they have a development going in by Miami Meadows Park mm -hmm. that will include some, some higher end apartment rentals 
or those actually might be townhome rentals. But um, regardless, it's how do you attract those young professionals um, to live here? And then I think kind of the next step of that is how do we keep them here? How do we right. keep them here um, on the weekends? How, how do we keep them from going to OTR? How do we get them to go to Milford? How do we get them to go to Loveland? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in those two centers, especially you're seeing because of the brewery, because of Teak coming in to Loveland, I think you're seeing these younger, uh, younger families wanting to wanting to stay here on the weekends. Well, absolutely. And I can speak from the Loveland perspective, because I think that that I was kind of a part of I want to call like the youth wave. I don't know the right way to say that. But going into Loveland, when we originally moved to Loveland, it was mostly older families and retirees and, and that older demographic. And that was probably 10 years ago now. So looking at that, that's changed. And the city's kind of adapted with it. We see, right. I mean, we now have three rooftop bars in Loveland, right? So you, you kind of start to see that development. What are you seeing with the development to keep those the youth here and the youth, those youth here in Claremont? I think, I mean, especially in, in Miami Township, in Milford and in Loveland, I mean, you're just seeing not chain restaurants. Right. And it, it's amazing the impact that that can have um, because we know p- polling has showed that that younger families, millennials, Gen Xs, they like going to unique places to mm-hmm. eat. So Loveland bring in like Teak and you have mm-hmm. Bishop's Quarter and you have Ramsey's and you have these these non-chain restaurants and same thing in Milford. I mean, the governor was just featured on diners, drive-ins and dives or whatever. Really? Yeah. Um, That that actually was just on, I think, last Friday or the Friday before. I didn't know that. Um, It's like a a, a really cool place to go. And so and I think you'll see Union Township kind of shift their focus into how can they bring in some of those non-chain restaurants to to keep people kind of in that in that Eastgate center Mm. of commerce because there's so much business already going on there you already have jungle gems which is a very unique oh it was insane a very unique place that you see a lot of people come to eastgate to to, to go to we're now attracting these younger uh this younger generation to live in eastgate how do we keep them there right. and how do we keep them in miami township because the next typical step is getting that family role right you get married right. you have a kid you don't get married you don't have a kid whatever your lifestyle looks like at that point when you're trying to attract, they start caring about things like education and schools and right. some of the the more the park system. So, what are you seeing from that perspective? Obviously, Western Claremont, Western Claremont, right, was just purchased as well and created, and that, that's been a big shift. Are you seeing anything else in the education space you think is going to impact people's decisions to stay or leave? Um, education is always a tricky kind of tricky topic. No way. Tell you, me more. <laughs> you know, having gone through a levy campaign. <laughs> I'm still crying. That, inside. <laughs> that the way that Ohio funds our schools is is tricky and, it, and it's very complicated for these school districts and it makes it very challenging for these communities, a lot of which are still, like you said, have a lot of seniors that are on fixed incomes. So how do you go to them with costs continuing to rise? How do you go to them every five, six years and ask for more money? Mm-hmm. Um but interestingly, I do think that you've kind of hit on it. I think these the, the younger families that are moving in that have that emphasis on education, I think you're going to see that tide that tide kind of shift. The problem is going to be on these school districts on how do you also at the same time attract those people, but also reassure your seniors that you're spending money wisely mm-hmm. and that you're not trying to necessarily just raise their taxes. It all inevitably kind of rests on the state of Ohio and and kind of the funding formulas that they've used to fund our schools. It's going to take a long time to get out of the hole that we've been kind of dug into. And correct me if I'm wrong. So I know just a 
basic little bit about the financing side of it too, but we're the only state currently that does not have an inflationary adjustment. I believe so, yes. So I mean like that in itself, like yeah. let's fix that because that would change most of the, the different levies, especially, especially the operational levies that we're seeing. But right. who knows if that's going to be possible or not, right? right? That's kind of And the working. CUP funding formula that was passed two years ago, I believe, um, for the fair school funding formula, which did help a lot of our rural school districts. They actually did see a boost, but it hasn't been funded permanently yet. Mm. They're funding it on like a, a two-year rolling basis. So that's not giving the type of stability that our school districts need to, to make those budgeting decisions. Make, yeah. Right. Right. That's brilliant. So outside of the development you're seeing with the businesses, the development that you're seeing with like the family, the residential space and some of the political things, is anything else top of mind for you at the chamber right now or personally? Um, well, I, I do want to do a quick plug. I also sit on the um, park district board here in oh, Claremont nice. County. So visit our parks. We have so many cool things coming to our county park system. Um, I've been on the park board now for two years, I believe. And um, the ch we have an amazing executive director, Josh Torbeck, who is one of those visionaries that it's I that I find it being very hard to find in public service but mm -hmm. um, he is truly a visionary connectivity is a huge priority for us right now how can we connect our communities how can we connect to development how can we how can we bring kind of our parks together in one cohesive way so that more people can enjoy them. Mm -hmm. So our part was Sycamore. We have a new playground there. We have new pickleball courts there. We have some really, really cool things in the works there. Shore Park here in Union Township. Uh, we have some really cool things going on at uh, the Kelly Nature Preserve. Mm -hmm. So I just encourage you to visit our parks. A big investment is being made into improving our parks because we know that as this can as this county continues to grow people want to, their green space mm -hmm. and that's what we're trying to we're trying to achieve that you're trying to preserve that preserve that, that yes yeah and i think it's very interesting too because we see that in in loveland is yet we got all these there there's just constant balance between like and i'm on the i was on the train i am on the train environment committee and everything too but looking at the sometimes friction between developers saying develop, 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 and the environmentalists saying we need to protect what we got and make the right parks. Like there's a lot of overlap there. So you're absolutely right. Of how right. do we balance that as a community? Right, right. I know. I I think about that often because I'm often in the middle. Right. I, I obviously wear a, a a hat when I'm on the park board preserving our green space, but also that hat working at the Chamber of Commerce, you know, more talking to developers and businesses and whatnot. But um, I do think there's a happy medium. And I do feel like we are very fortunate. We do have a lot of elected officials in this community at the township level, at the county level that do appreciate that balance. So luckily, it makes my job not that hard because I do know that our uh, elected officials do also share in that belief that it does have to be balanced. Right. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs>